A renewed Republican effort to secure block grants for health care, and the filing deadline has passed. Welcome to Grand Divisions. This is the week of January 11th. I'm Joel Ebert. And I'm Natalie Allison. This week, we're going to do a recap of some of the major bills that have been filed, some of the obscure ones and anything in between. Uh, we don't necessarily have a guest other than our boss who is going to be coming on and we're Dwayne going to be gang. we're going to be doing a pop quiz with later. So stay tuned for that. I think you'll enjoy it. Stick around. <laughs> but first, uh, we have to get to what I would consider the biggest news uh, happened on Thursday of last week. Um, Natalie and I went to a weekly, um, uh, you know... <laughs> press conference, a veil, whatever you want to call it, where the media generally sit around a table with leadership in the Senate, uh, Republican leadership specifically, and just kind of shoot the breeze on a variety of topics. I don't think they had anything on the agenda for Thursday. It it didn't seem like it. And so, you know, as we're kind of sitting there talking about what the major issues will be, uh, they kind of broke some news. Lieutenant Governor McNally did. So uh, to set it up, here is an audio clip of that discussion uh, where you're going to hear Natalie and the Lieutenant Governor uh, press on some of the interesting things that could happen this session. So what are the controversial bills this year? <laughs> ah, there'll be there'll be some uh, probably probably on uh, school choice or or uh, vouchers. I think uh, there'll be uh, some on Medicaid expansion. Uh, there'll be some on some of the voting issues, uh, voting and redistricting issues. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, the C word cannabis. Cannabis. <laughs> Up in smoke. <laughs> what, what about Medicaid expansion? Uh, expansion. We're uh, Senator Bailey is is working on some uh, different ideas to take and and work with the governor on and take to the take uh, uh, try to get an amendment through that would uh, address the the population that's below 138% of the poverty level and might, you know, address it on a, uh, you know, a sliding scale voucher type thing, uh, health savings account. You know, there's a number of different options that we haven't really flushed out yet. So to clarify, would Republicans be pushing a a bill to expand Medicaid in some instances or? Well, we'll be... I think looking at maybe an effort to, and a lot depends on what we think we can get through CMS, but we'll be looking at an effort to address the population that probably was most in need of insurance but was left out of affordable care. Later on, Lieutenant Governor McNally and Senate Majority Leader Jack Johnson clarified. There, there you know, could be some opposition. Our hope is that it's... It's not expansion of Medicaid, and it's not Obamacare, and that's we're just trying to take care of sick people uh, that have that lack insurance 
mainly because their incomes are not at a rate that they can afford. So you're saying it's not Medicaid expansion? It, it, it absolutely is not. And yeah. if, if we're on Senator Bailey's legislation, I want to be very clear about that. It's not a proposal to expand Medicaid. It's a proposal to give us more flexibility with our existing Medicaid dollars. Okay? And, and if we're given that flexibility, we believe we can generate savings that will generate additional dollars with which we might be able to you know, cover some additional people or provide better services, better quality services. That's, that's one conversation, and that needs to stay in its lane right there. Any conversation of drawing down additional federal dollars is a totally different conversation, okay? And I think maybe during some of this, that's, those two things have gotten interwoven, so... Okay, so what happened was, uh, as you heard, we were asking, you know, what some of the controversial bills were going to be this session. McNally mentioned Medicaid expansion, which we, all the reporters sitting there for for a few minutes were uh, pretty confused. Uh, We thought he was saying Republicans were going to launch a Medicaid expansion effort this uh, session. We eventually realized that wasn't the case and uh, proceeded to talk about this block grant program. Joel, it's a little bit similar to what Beth Harwell had sort of tried to push in the past. Yeah, this was an idea. At least some of the components that were discussed on Thursday seem to reflect an idea that was proposed in 2016 when I was covering the legislature and Beth Harwell, the former Speaker of the House, uh, initiated this thing called the the Three or TriStar Healthy uh, Plan, where she commissioned this uh, study within the House. They didn't really involve the Senate for some reason. Um, and they uh, were looking at uh, different programs that would eventually lead to asking CMS for a block grant system. One of the requests was going to be to provide coverage to people 138% below the poverty line. That wasn't the initial um, uh, pilot uh, project that they would do. The the initial one would have been, I think, just related to mental health issues. Uh, so it, it, it's this new idea had some similarities, and that's why I asked about it. But uh, they tried to essentially say, oh, no, 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 this is this is new. This is different. Yeah. And so so what they want to do is they say they want to negotiate with the federal government uh, to see if there's a way they can get some more flexibility in the state's existing 10 care program to break the rules a little bit. They claim that by doing so, they know how to make it more efficient. Um, at one point, there was talk of maybe we'll save some money and we could if we have a waiver to these rules, we could help more people get covered uh, by using block grants to do the program. Uh, it remains to be seen how they would actually uh, secure coverage for those who are currently in the coverage gap. Um, at one point, you know, McNally was under the impression that that was the goal, that was the plan. Hopefully they'd have enough savings to do that. But when we asked them, you know, how how are you going to pay for that? There there isn't really a clear answer. I, I think this the whole thing was so nebulous. It was it was almost like he didn't realize that he he broke the new. And I'm sure he did. He was well aware of what he does. But you know, it was something that really I think caught everybody there off guard. Um, yes. And so we immediately started asking the governor's office, and they didn't have a quick comment. Uh, we later clarified that yes, they are interested in in you know uh, some kind of block grant system. Uh, we've heard some version of that, uh, but not really. T- you know, it was always kind of a here's a response to to questions that were asked. Uh, the Democrats, though, uh, their initial response would be skeptical, right? Yeah, their response is, we don't think that this is actually going to help any other people get coverage. There's actually concern that it could limit 
the amount of money that you have to spend on coverage. Uh, and, and there's a question of, can the state even do this? So of course the Trump administration has been supportive of states being able to have the right to ship to this block grant sort of, uh, proposal so that they have more flexibility to run their state Medicaid programs as they see fit. Uh, but actually right now, block grants, it's sort of complicated, but they're not even really allowed. And so there's a question of will Democrats in Congress uh, in the House allow states to go for this? Is there going to be some kind of standoff there over what Trump wants versus what, you know, what Congress would approve? Um so it, everything, it, it all remains to be seen what could happen with this, if this will go anywhere any it, further than last time. It certainly seems like this is going to be the uh, big push, though, by Republicans. I mean, you had um, all, all three uh, of the respective Senate leaders that were there, Ken Yeager, who is uh, the head of the, the Republican caucus in the Senate, uh, Majority Leader, um, um, uh, why am I blanking? Jack Johnson. Majority Leader Jack Johnson. And um, you had, the, the, the of course, the lieutenant governor saying that there is support within their caucus for this. Uh, we also asked uh, the House for a comment, and it sounds like the Speaker does support this initiative. Um, whether that's enough to move forward with this, whether the, the feds will give the okay, all of that is unknown. But for now, this seems to be maybe a reaction to the threat of, you know, people protesting and saying, you know what, you don't care about the average Tennessee and you, you don't care about these rural hospital closures. Uh, so and, and nothing, I mean, they haven't said anything at this point that would make it seem like doing like block grants would actually address those issues. Correct, so, correct. so even if, even if it does succeed, I'm not sure yet that saying we're, sw- we're shifting or trying to shift to a block grant program is, is it going to uh, accomplish, you know, what Democrats are concerned about with hospital closures, um, the hundreds of thousands who are uninsured. So we'll see. Uh, we need more details. The The bill itself is, is pretty vague. It just asks the governor to uh, submit a waiver amendment uh, with the federal government. So. All the bills that are going to be filed this session have been filed. Uh, that was on February 6th and 7th, the deadlines for those. Uh, there's about 1,500 bills that were filed in each chamber. Um, and what what we're going to do now is pretty much wait and see what happens uh, as these start moving through committee, wait for the governor's state of the state address to find out more specifics on his legislative agenda. Uh, when we were talking with Lieutenant Governor McNally in that avail the other week, he said that the the committees would basically take five weeks to look at the budget after the state of the state. Uh, they're expecting to shut down the session end of April, early May. Yeah, generally speaking, that's uh, around the target deadline for each year. So it sounds like they're going to stick with that, despite the fact that there's a new governor, a delayed state of the state, and uh, tons of new lawmakers. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, uh, so far, there haven't been many bills that have gone through committee, but it sounds like in the next uh, week and a half, two weeks, they're they're really going to ramp up their efforts in each chamber. And uh, Senate Majority Leader Jack Johnson said that the Lee administration has about 32 or 33 bills that they have had filed through Johnson and House Majority Leader uh, William Lambert. Most of those are captioned, so at this point, we don't really have any details. But we do know about some of the other bills that have been filed. Uh, Joel and I covered some of those just as they were filed in the last couple of weeks. Not all of them were you know, the most important and most earth shattering or, uh, will have the most impact, but a lot of them were interesting. Some of them were seemed a little, little out there. 
But uh, let's talk about what some of those were. Yeah, so uh, off the bat, uh, there's one that is related to public records requests from uh, William Lambert, this, uh, the House Min- uh, Majority Leader. Uh, essentially, Lambert said that this bill is necessary because there are some people who are sort of filing frivolous uh, records requests out in his uh, hometown area. Um, essentially, they're, they're really straining the uh, request system. They're really straining cops. Uh, and, and whoever else they're asking documents for, for no, quote, legitimate purpose. So uh, Lambert's bill would essentially uh, limit that person uh, to three bills a, uh, or three requests a year. Uh, and if there were more than that, it could be deemed harassment so long as they uh, exhibit some sort of form of harassment where they you know, maybe call the person they're requesting the documents names, this sort of other thing. Um, open records advocates are a little bit concerned about this because it could um, uh, create some sort of, uh, you know, chilling effect on people that want documents from the government. Essentially, this bill would allow um, the re- the person receiving the request to file an injunction with uh, a judge. So uh, we're keeping an eye on that one. Another public records bill that I thought was interesting is one to uh, close nine one one calls. We previously talked about that on our, our last episode. What about medical marijuana? We were all expecting something to happen. So what has happened so far? So there was only one major bill from Republicans. That was sort of the surprise element. Um, we expected maybe some from Steve Dickerson or, uh, uh, um, you know, Brian Terry. They did not file a bill. Instead, you had Janice Bowling, the state senator from Tullahoma, and uh, Ron Travis, a Republican from uh, Dayton. Both Republicans filed this bill essentially saying we need a very comprehensive uh, approach to this. We're taking the good things that are seen in other states and adopting them in ours. Their their bill would essentially allow uh, anybody that uh, they're still kind of working out some of the details, but it, it, it's either 18 or 21 uh, to uh, get a, uh, not a prescription card, but uh, essentially a prescription card where a doctor, a physician's assistant, um, and, and others would be able to say, this person is suffering from this malady. And then you would be able to go to the state board, this commission, which would essentially give you this card, which you could go use to fill, um, uh, you know, a sort of a script, I guess, for, for marijuana. And, and this year there, there isn't really a bathroom bill. We were wondering if there would be, there was, there's one kind of filed about indecent exposure in a bathroom. You were saying maybe it could be taken that way. A raw reading of it may not come off as a bathroom bill, but um, I, I had just spoken with David Plazas before we came in here, our opinion and engagement editor, and he says his interpretation is it certainly looks like a bathroom bill. I talked to Chris Sanders, Sanders with the uh, Tennessee Equality Project, and they are eyeing it. Essentially, this bill comes from John Reagan. It's uh, literally about um, uh, indecent exposure in restrooms. Uh, he says that he is worried about his five-year-old uh, granddaughter who would be going into a bathroom and be exposed to somebody's genitals and buttocks and that the state's indecent exposure law would not cover that um, and not be able to, you know, uh, have any sort of recourse for that. Um, But if you read this bill, it specifically mentions uh, people with, uh, it it seems to point to some language that is targeting transgender community. Yeah, I don't think that that is... That's ridiculous to say that it could be taken that way or used that way. Uh, some other bills that you know, the Tennessee Equality Project uh, and LGBTQ advocates are concerned about, uh, the Tennessee Natural Marriage Defense Act is back. 
that's previously been introduced. It would essentially uh, prohibit same-sex marriages from being able to be officiated in Tennessee. It would also require the state attorney general to defend Tennessee's position and the law. Um, Chris, with uh, the Equality Project and some others say they think that this is this is just a, a ploy to get this back to the Supreme Court. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. There- that one, of course, is from uh, Mark Pody, who brought uh, the other one yes. in the past. Uh, this, and Joey Hensley. And then there's this other bill, I think from Hensley, is that right, about LGBT yes. adoption? What, what, what's that all about? So that would basically allow adoption agencies to deny service to someone based on the, the client's or potential client's religious beliefs, a.k.a. Uh, them being you know in a same-sex relationship. Um they're basically Joey saying Joey Hensley was saying that he had heard about uh, Catholic charity, I think in, in New York that stopped providing adoption services because of pressure they were receiving from the state, not to discriminate against couples. Um, Chris Sanders says, you know, this is, this is concerning uh, that same sex couples could be discriminated against due to this legislation. Uh, Joey Hensley himself, he adopted three children. He said, it's always better for them to have a mother and a father. Uh, he has been divorced um, since that adoption. So it, there is a little bit of irony there. There's also a couple of bills related to abortion that our colleague Anita Wadwani has written about, uh, one of which is called the Human Life Protection Act. Uh, what would that do, Natalie? That would basically make it a crime for a doctor to perform an abortion uh, if Roe v. Wade is overturned. So the the woman would not uh, would not be prosecuted, but the doctor, the doctor would be charged with the felony in that instance. Uh, the fetal heart heartbeat bill that's back again. That's no surprise. Yeah, no, I I mean, it it certainly seems like these are uh, the ones that are going to continuously come back, especially under, you know, a President Donald Trump, uh, as well as the continued, you know, uh, Republican control of both the legislature and the executive branch. Um, There was another bill I wrote about somewhat recently that looks like they're trying to update um, uh, this stand your ground law. The Tennessee is a stand your ground state. Um, but, uh, gun, uh, I guess second amendment advocates have always targeted this and said, it's not strong enough. It's not something that is, uh, in line with, uh, Florida, which is largely seen as sort of the best st- stand your ground, uh, law out there. So this bill would basically enhance it. Um, uh, people that are on the other side, um, you know, moms demand action, that sort of group are eyeing this bill and saying, you know what, you could just essentially shoot somebody and then claim self-defense later. So. So it will be interesting to see how those arguments play out in committee, especially with some of these gun bills uh, now going through a committee that uh, is is led by Micah Van yeah, Haas, who is a champion was, for most was like of these. like the first, first bill that they heard. It was yeah. basically lowering the penalty and, and the fee that you have to pay if you are charged with carrying a gun without a permit. Of course, there's also another bill that uh, has gotten some attention and some traction in other states that would allow firefighters and EMTs to carry guns while on duty. Um, There's one bill that recently came up. You were at a press conference for this uh, community oversight board. Um, What's that all about? Yeah. So the Republicans basically said, you know, when Nashville voted to create the civilian police oversight board, uh, we're concerned about it. We might actually do something to rein that in. And they, you know, they did that. They announced last week, uh, the, the House Republicans did, that they were filing a bill that, among other things, would basically keep community oversight boards 
like the one just created in Nashville from having subpoena power that obviously significantly limits any authority they have to do anything, their checks on the police department. The Republicans said this is necessary to ensure that officers are getting due process. Uh, and the proponents of the board would say, we do need to have some authority in order to keep them accountable and fully investigate possible police misconduct. So that that was also filed. Uh, Two weeks ago, we had uh, William Lambert, the, the House Majority Leader, on, and we were talking about private prisons at one point, and he seemed totally fine with them. But not all Republicans evidently yeah, and, are and fine. and the governor is fine with them, too. He's, but he told us the other week. Apparently not all uh, Republicans are fine with it. There is a bill that uh, you've seen, Natalie, uh, from uh, Bo Mitchell, uh, of course a Democrat, and Senator Frank Nicely, a Republican, that would essentially, uh, what would it do with private prisons? Well, it would basically not allow the state to renew contracts or start new contracts with private prison companies, is, is my understanding mm -hmm. of it. And, and and that's an issue that has been coming up a lot in recent years. There's a lot of criticism from activists in the state about Tennessee's use of CoreCivic uh, in operating and running some of its its prisons. And and they also do that at the, the local jail level as well. And I believe that is one of three private prison-related bills. There's also one, uh, or several, I think, related to voting rights restoration. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, Steve Dickerson, that's another one of the, the bills he has introduced to essentially make the process easier for people who have been convicted of felonies, uh, who have served out their parole and their sentences to get their voting rights back. A lot of them, um, you know, thousands of them are uh, they, they're eligible to, to vote again. But there's there's a lot of hurdles to jump through to to make that step and you know, re-entering re society again and having the right to vote. So uh, his legislation would simplify that. It would allow them to still uh, get their voting rights back, even if they can't afford necessarily to pay some of their court costs or child supports or some of the other requirements right now. I am uh, continuously tracking uh, these bills related to privilege tax. Last year, I wrote uh, a story that was kind of a roundup. It was a, a target uh, in the last General Assembly. This year, there have been a ton of bills. I'd say more than half a dozen, um, maybe even a dozen, that would essentially take this tax that is, um, you know, given to some people. I, I think it's like attorneys, accountants, uh, yeah, yeah, it's lobbyists. It, it's a handful yeah. of people who clearly do not want to pay this tax to just do uh, business in this state and it would repeal that. Um, and it is sort of a random list of Oh, it's very weird. Yeah. Very weird. So there probably will be some action. I wouldn't think that there will be multiple bills that would advance, but there are somebody's going to get behind uh, one of these, I would think. Uh, there's also a couple of bills that locally uh, we've been interested in, uh, at least our, our folks here, uh, related to uh, what are they? Scooters, Electric I guess? Scooters. Yeah, or, yeah dockless scooters. Uh, Dickerson, again, he's behind a couple of these. He, he told me that he he was approached by Byrd and by Metro Nashville um, to try to figure out something legislatively to regulate these scooters. He's working with both parties. He said, you know, if it gets too messy and we can't come to an agreement, then he'll back away. But he is trying to sort of help them out at the state level. Just like the privilege tax and criminal justice, uh, there's been a ton of bills filed related to elections and campaign finance. There's everything from requiring uh, party registration, which uh, kind of came up at the most recent Republican 
uh, executive committee meeting. Uh, there's another that would uh, allow you to take a photo uh, of your election ballot, which is currently not allowed uh, and was highlighted by Justin Timberlake, of all people. Uh, and there's also another one that would um, essentially prohibit you if you were the loser of um, uh, an election in the primary, you couldn't return and run in the general election. This is actually a scenario that played out in West Virginia in the most recent uh, election where this this guy, Don Blankenship, a coal baron, uh, ran for the Republican nomination, lost, and then got onto a third party to uh, be on the ballot uh, for the November election. So it is a real-life scenario. I just don't know how practical it is here in Tennessee. Uh, those are some of the major ones that we've been keeping an eye on, but there's also some obscure uh, piece of legislation. Uh, what are those, Natalie? Well, One- you had a story about a legislator who wants to help Trump pay for the border wall. Yeah, this is um, uh, Bruce Griffey. Griffey, he uh, replaced Senator or uh, Representative Tim Wergo. Uh, essentially, this bill, I, from what I understand, uh, it, it, actually, if you read the bill, it says nothing about what he wants to do. But his in his interpretation of it, he presented it in a press release, and he said he wants to tax people that are making money in uh, Tennessee and sending it back to Mexico and take that tax and fund the wall. Fair yeah, enough. so uh, any sense of if his uh, colleagues are supportive of that plan? I haven't gotten okay. that far yet. Right. We'll keep an eye on it, though. Uh, uh, another another one, uh, a lawmaker, she is a Democrat, Sarah Kyle, in the Senate, uh, wants to prohibit Confederate flag license plates uh, from being issued by the state. The state does issue Sons of Confederate Veterans license plates, as they have since about 2004. Uh, the organization does get a portion of that money. Uh, and they told me when I've asked them in the past what they do with it, that, that they actually have used that recently to try to fund their ongoing lawsuit against the city of Memphis over their removal of Confederate statues. So this, this legislation that is not likely to advance would, you know, keep the state from being able to issue those. There's of course also a bill that would allow lawmakers to actually marry people. Uh, that's a new one. Uh, the like one to officiate weddings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, they can marry people now. Uh, yeah. Why not? Um, <laughs> The uh, other thing that actually didn't make our list, but uh, I would love it if it did, was one that would allow dogs in barbershops. That was one I wasn't aware of being a problem, but uh, right now there is a state law that prohibits dogs in being uh, in a barbershop. It's a major problem. It needs to be addressed. And then uh, there's also one that would require the state to issue a certificate of non-viable birth. Uh, Essentially, it sounds like stillborns. Um, that, uh, you know, uh, die during the, the, the process, the birthing process, uh, would be issued a certificate to commemorate, uh, their life with a name on it. And finally, in the obscure land of bills, there is one from uh, Senator Dolores Gresham and uh, Representative Terry Lynn Weaver that would, quote, require students to pass a civics test to receive a full diploma upon graduation from high school, requires LEAs to include all 100 questions from the United States civics test instead of only 25 to 50. With that in mind, we've decided to uh, bring on our editor, Dwayne Gang. To, we uh, thought was probably going to be the best in the newsroom at taking this quiz. So, well, I thought I would make my Grand Divisions podcast debut on 
under other circumstances, but all right, we'll, <laughs> no, we'll give great. it a try. Welcome. So we're going to do, uh, we're not going to do all 100 questions, and we're, but we are going to quiz you, Dwayne. So, no one uh, hold it against me if I bomb. <laughs> I don't think you will. This, this is a mixture of easy and somewhat uh, difficult questions. So uh, the first one, uh, what are the two rights in the Declaration of Independence? Not the two. Or just what are two. two? Sorry. Well, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay, extra so credit. So we'll go for extra credit and go for three. <laughs> Okay, who is in charge of the executive branch? The president of the United States. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the House of Representatives has how many voting members? 435. Oh, he's doing good so far. <laughs> he's doing great. Uh, why do some states have more representatives than other states? It's based on their population. Uh, other acceptable answers would be because they have more people <laughs> <laughs> and because some states have more people. Whatever, That's the same answer, but okay. Uh, number 41 on the test. Under our Constitution, some powers belong to the federal government. What is one power of the federal government? One power of the federal government? Let's yep. see. Um, uh, one power of the federal government. Uh, let's see, regulating interstate commerce. Yes, that is accurate, yes. Uh, do you want to do any other bonus ones? Not particularly. Uh, other acceptable answers include to declare war, to create an army, and to make treaties. And uh, essentially, I think your answer was to reflect to print money. So, Natalie? Under our Constitution, some powers belong to the states. What is one power of the states? One power of the states. Let's see. Uh, issue. No, I don't know. What, uh, that's, okay, so go with it. What were you yeah. going to say? Yeah, issue what, what? Issue what? I don't know. Uh, you were, I should know this what is because something I'm you the have editor that of state, state government. What is right? something you have that is state issued? Uh, state issue. Okay, you could do driver's license. There you yes, go. There that is, is one. So answer. they also right. have some other. I guess I was trying to think back to probably uh, more pre-automobile days. Sure. Yeah, sure. well... The state does issue driver's license. That's one of their powers. They provide schooling and education. They One of their powers is to provide police protection and safety, like fire departments, and approve zoning and land use, which to yeah, me doesn't seem is, like a this state This is thing. actually, uh, now you're really, we're really, I would take <laughs> exception to some of that because I know that a lot of that's actually done by even local right. governments. Right, yeah, the state is Although not. Although local governments generally are extensions of state government, but that could confuse some people. Dwayne, these are the answers and questions via the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. I'm not, right. you know, finding some hack website, so. I think you need to reach out to them. <laughs> All right, well. We'll do that. We'll order up an investigative report. Next question. When was the Constitution written? Hopefully you remember this. Yeah, 1787. <laughs> I, I asked him that about 30 minutes ago. So he, I was one year off earlier. one year off. <laughs> so close. Uh, what territory did the United States buy from France in 1803? 1803. Oh, the Louisiana Territory. There you go. Yes. What did Susan B. Anthony do? Susan B. Anthony, she was a women's suffrage leader. There you go. Correct. Name one of the two longest rivers in the United States. Bonus points if you name both. Uh, the Mississippi and the Missouri. There you yes. go. And finally, why does the flag have 13 stripes? <laughs> uh, to represent the 13 original colonies. There you go. Can Very you good. Name them? Yes, I can. <laughs> okay. You, would you like me to go from south to north or north to south? You know what? South to north. I of think course. we believe you. No, sure. south to north. Please do. Let's see what we can do here. Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland. I'm up to five, right? Yes. Delaware, 
Pennsylvania, uh, New, New Jersey, New York. What's that? Nine. Nine. Um, let's see. Uh, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts. Nice work. Very good. Well, thank you again you for coming on. You did not disappoint, Dwayne. And surviving our difficult quiz. You would be able to graduate high school in Tennessee right well, now. I, you know, I, I'm going back to my history major days there and at least uh, trying to live up to that a little bit. Thanks again, Dwayne. Again, that is just a roundup of some of the bills that caught our eye. We are still going through all 1,500 or so of them. Uh, Natalie and I, along with our colleagues here at the Tennessean and in the entire USA Today network, are going to do our best to uh, write about the latest developments with them and why some of these bills are gaining momentum and why some aren't. So uh, stay tuned and we will hopefully keep you informed. As always, thank you for listening to Grand Divisions. We're available every Tuesday uh, on iTunes and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at Grand Divisions 3. This is produced by John Garcia and Erica Whitney. Uh, Thanks again for listening. I'm Joel Ebert. And I'm Natalie Allison. See you next week.